Welcome to the Audacious Intent Podcast with Imani Harris. This podcast is for the visionary woman who is ready to create the flexibility and freedom they desire by standing boldly in their authority. I can't wait to share tips and inspiration to keep you pressing forward in your journey so you can continue to shine as the queen that you are. All right, queen. All right. Let's dive on right. into today's oh topic. Oh my gosh, guys. You know how I get when I have a guest on. I'm just so excited. Plus, you guys get a break from just listening to me the whole time. But it has been such an amazing journey so far with all the different guests I've had here on the podcast. And today is no exception. If you guys have been hearing all the interviews I've had, you're going to know that 99% of them came from the very favorite new and going app, Clubhouse. Hey, and this phenomenal, amazing woman who is about to grace the mic, she is doing the doggone thing. She has had a TED Talk and is about to have another TED Talk, y'all. She brings it with such finesse in regards to really helping people to really have a voice to really involve diversity and inclusion, to really be accepting of other people as well as accepting of yourself. When she speaks, y'all, you have no choice but to pause, stop, and be captivated. So guys, please give a warm welcome. I know you're clapping with your headsets on to Miss Kristen Donnelly. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Imani, thank you so much for having me. That was such a lovely and generous intro. Well, you know, we have to be honest here, right? Because, you know, it's all about being bold. It's all about being visionary. It's all about helping other people. Mm -hmm. And especially with everything that has been going on with the pandemic, with now having to kind of adjust to a new normal, we're now having to really be more in tune to diversity, inclusion, empathy, and communication, So please share with the audience how your role is pivotal in bringing some light to such a delicate subject. My gracious. Uh, You're just going to start with the softballs, eh? I think like all the really easy ones. It's a great, great question. And to kind of even take it a little bit bigger than COVID, the answer is simply that none of us know how to do human on our own. We're all figuring it out. and We've all been figuring it out for time immemorial. Like, you know, you hear parents joke a lot that kids aren't, you know, born with instruction manuals. Well, that means that we aren't either. So how to be the best version of yourself is an ongoing journey throughout your whole life. And when I look at social science research, I have a Ph.D. in sociology and my business partner has one in history and anthropology. And so essentially what we are trained to do is look at how culture impacts humans and how humans impact culture, kind of understand all the systems. And we look at all of that. Something that we've consistently noticed over the last, hmm, let's say, like 10, 15 years is that we've had by embracing this idea that all we have to do is tolerate each other. We've actually fractured into deeper factions because the idea of tolerance just allows somebody in your mind to be one thing. So I'm going to tolerate that person because they are this flat caricature of something I don't like. And what we advocate for, and one of the reasons we really are doing it now, especially in times of COVID and in 20, all the 2020, all of the 2020, which was not just COVID, we all know what I'm talking about, 
is to understand that humans are, no matter what you think about what they think, behave like, do, or whatever, are still human beings. And we've lost that a little bit. And a lot of it's been out of self-preservation. A lot of it's been for some very valid reasons. But we've lost that humans are humans, and we got to hold that first. So that means everybody is complicated. Everybody has something about them you don't know. Everybody is trying to figure it out. And even if you see their actions as monstrous or callous or whatever, you can choose to not be engaged with them, but don't you dare tolerate them. Like, understand that they're a full human being. Seek to understand their, their, you know, motivations or their context or their explanations, not their excuses, their explanations. And then do, do accordingly. But the minute you mentally engage with somebody as a full, three-dimensional, entire human being, you're no longer tolerating them. You're engaging on some level. And that's what we really advocate. And some of that is because we saw so much, and I've seen this throughout my career and throughout my research as well, that we have a really hard time as human beings with discomfort, which is totally normal. Our emotional stasis, our emotional selves want comfort and they want safety and they want stasis. It's one of the reasons that we exist best in tribes of people that we think a lot alike or we think we think a lot alike. So the problem is, though, that a lot of the way the world has worked and then we were all shoved inside for some very, very good reasons is we just got to keep making a lot of assumptions about people. And without that, do we actually know they're safe? Do we actually know ourselves are safe? Have we done the work to know where we are and what we believe and what we value? Or are we just parroting the values of the tribe? Like these kind of questions got lost in the midst of life. And one of the things that we are saying now is, you know, we can no longer allow those things to get lost in the midst of life. Being a human is hard and no one gets out alive. So let's figure out how to do it together better. And that means harder conversations, both with ourselves and with other people. That means getting used to changing our minds. That means unlearning things that we've learned. Um, and that means getting comfortable saying some of the uncomfortable things out loud. I love that so much because you're right. I mean, even just with the dawn of the internet, and I'm going to pose that question to you too, is that we've kind of got lost in translation of what it truly means to communicate, even in person. Now it's, you know, abbreviations, emojis, but the tone is missing. Mm -hmm. The actual feeling is missing. Misinformation, misunderstandings, offense can happen so easily. And at the same time, you're only seeing what I like to call the highlight reel of what's going on with someone. You're not seeing the story behind the story. So let me pose this question. Do you feel that with the age of the Internet and us being so now more usual and comfortable with technology do you think that that has also played a role in how we relate to one another oh gosh yes and anyone who says otherwise is is selling something um because i mean do i think that i get asked a lot like you know was it always this bad before the internet the internet's made it the internet's made it this bad right and that i don't think is true i think humans have always been terrible at communicating forever i think we've had i think there have been terrible humans forever um you know i think there's been great humans forever i think what the internet has done is accelerate the speed of our response and so rather than having to write you know, a long letter, uh, th- like screwing someone off or telling them that they're a terrible person. Now it's a tweet, you know, and so this so we don't have time to process as much anymore. We're we're inundated with too many things. My incredible business partner is a 
one of the ways her introversion manifests is that she doesn't love a lot of stimuli at once. And I think a lot about her as a model for a lot of the rest of humans. Most of us don't actually like that much stimuli at once. We may have just trained ourselves to be comfortable with it, but we can't process as much as the world asks us to at a given moment. Not really, not thoroughly, not thoughtfully, and not also holding someone's humanity in, in grace. So the way I kind of, the way I've explained it a couple times is, you know, let's say since, you know, when it, when it all really took off with smartphones. So it's not the internet. To me, it's smartphones. It's when we could start carrying the internet around with us in our hands. So you look at like 2008 to 2012 and the ubiquity of smartphones and how that kind of, how that kind of grew. So you hit 2012 and that's not really a contentious American election, but we start to see some stuff around the rest of the world where people are getting even more factioned. You know, people who would have never known that they have these proclivities are now finding fellow folks on Reddit or 4chan or all these other things they're finding out they're not alone now there's beauty in that there's those of us that are finding out i'm not the only one who writes marvel fan fiction like look here's a gajillion of us but as everybody kind of got to do more and more things in secret in that way it got easier and easier to only exist with people who agree with you and it just got and then that into that came a lot of other political and social and world history events. We do know that overall there are more adherents to right-wing movements in whatever culture you're in, and that is definitely tied to the ubiquitousness of your access to private Internet access. But does that mean that the Internet is why none of us can get along? Absolutely not. It's a really convenient excuse, and it's a piece of the explanation. But it's more than anything, what it's let us do is delude ourselves that the way we want to human is the only way to human. And we have forgotten that everybody's worldview is valid and that they get to have theirs and we get to have ours and let's figure it out together. And it it comes, the stuff that we say a lot comes across, I joke, like a Hallmark card or like a, you know, a kumbaya. But like, I think of the people that teach sports and they say, you've got to do the fundamentals. Like you can't learn to break the laws in music until you until you learn the scales. I hated that in piano. Oh my gosh, I hated doing scales. Worked my way through the whole, you know, Chopin and Liszt exercises. Hated them. They were totally right. I couldn't break a damn rule until I knew the rules. Writing is the same way. Baseball is the same way. Gymnastics is the same way. We heard that from Simone Biles. You've got to know the fundamentals. And one of the fundamentals of being human is being kind to one another is loving ourselves, is knowing ourselves. We've got to be good at the fundamentals before we can do anything else. And we've all kind of lost the fundamentals. Oh, that was a mouthful right there. And it is so true. I am almost about to say, can someone please pass the offering plate? Oh, we're not in church. Um, so- <laughs> I'll like, mm-hmm. I dust yes. off that Masters of Divinity every once in a while, Imani. Just every once in a while, I dust off that pastor hat. So. Hey, you gotta hey. do what it do. But I think that is so true because also, to your point, I think also the internet gave us the proclivity to not have accountability. Oh, so now sure. we can be point. whatever we want to be. We can mm-hmm. say whatever we got to say. We can whoop, log off. Versus in person, you can't do too much if, when you're in front of somebody and they're ready to take off errands. Yeah, exactly. I think I think you're right. I think it's it's diluted us into believing there aren't consequences. Yes. And that's like how many people have you heard cry 
free speech rights and you're like, no, 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 you're allowed to say whatever you want, but everybody gets consequences for what you say. Like relationships are going to be broken or, you know, you go to jail. Like There are still consequences to actions. You know, it's, it's, I, th- I think it's hard. And I think so much of it truly is the availability to go to any corner of the internet at any point in time from anywhere in the world. It's hard. It's hard. And I think for a lot of hum- human brains, it happened too fast. Yeah, and I think, too, a lot of it has caused a disconnect even within ourselves because we are not given the capacity a lot of times to differentiate what's real versus Mm -hmm. what's real for us. (laughs) You know, what is politically correct versus incorrect with my air quotes here. And so we're all in fear of just towing the line because we don't know really anymore what's right versus what's wrong, especially if we have not been given the right example to go by. Correct. And then when we are given an example, our immediate reaction often is to get very defensive and to like, no, well, you misunderstood me or like, you know, it's it's very we've forgotten the soft skills of doing the human thing. Um and I think we talk a lot at at Abby Research about unlearning how you think the world works. And also getting, like I said earlier, getting very used to changing your mind. Now, there's a high risk to changing your mind. We get it. You may be breaking a relationship and changing your mind. Like, it's a lot of work. Like, we understand it. But there are times that it's actually not as much work as you think it is. Um, a great example is um, when the – in earlier in 2021, when the Atlanta terrorist shootings happened – my business partner and I, Erin is her name. She's my best friend and my partner. We both realized that we didn't know a whole lot about the Asian American experience. It was a hole in our education. Um, and there were things that we thought that like, as we're watching commentators on the internet or on television, we're like, Hmm, I don't know what that is. That's probably a problem. So we reached out to a friend who is the, is a director of multicultural studies at a major university. We said, where should we start? She said, there's this six hour PBS documentary start there. So we did. And we learned so many things we covered on our YouTube channel. And there's so many like moments where we just look at the camera and go, guys, we had never heard of this. Um, and so in doing that, we had to unlearn what we knew about an incredibly diverse community that my school and her school had tried to flatten into a very like same set of people. That's low stakes. That didn't cost us a lot to say. It's an example we use all the time. But when I was younger, I grew up in evangelicalism. And like borderline Pentecostalism in the 90s, especially. And I remember that I was taught really, really vociferously that if you read Harry Potter, you were going to go to hell. And that it was witchcraft and youths. I promise this was actually a thing that we debated. Like it just was a thing. And I remember being told that. And then I remember reading Harry Potter and thinking, this is actually sounds a lot like truth like this sounds like this isn't this is this sounds a little bit like the gospels of jesus like it's all about being a good person and fighting evil and having friends like that's not really but saying that out loud broke relationship i had to change my mind and it broke relationship with people i grew up with and i believed it for a long time before i said it out loud and some of that is is how the process of doing that has changed when saying it out loud as a Facebook status or keeping silent is just is letting the algorithm consistently still tell you what to think and not actively working to change your mind and realizing that often when somebody is pushing back at you, 
you've either hurt them accidentally or intentionally, or they love you and they're trying to make you better. (laughs) And it's trying to make you better because we can all be better. And that's really hard. It's really hard to not just say, um, you know, no, I know that Harry Potter is demonic. Like, what are you talking about? You misunderstood me. I know it's right. Here's all my receipts. And instead to say, maybe it's not. Maybe I should do some more research. Maybe I haven't really thought about this and do the work to figure it out. It's hard. That's hard. That's next level humaning. Yeah, my mom used to say it growing up, never engage in a battle of wits with an unarmed person. Basically, don't keep going around the mountain with someone who insists that they are right, because it's only going to end up frustrating you, frustrating you more in the end to try and show them otherwise. Even For sure. If they are dead wrong. It's and I would to say, frustrate you. <laughs> and I would say to add that, that includes ourselves. Exactly. And that's one of the pieces I know growing up we didn't talk about enough was how much we have to constantly work on ourselves and investigate what we believe about things and what we believe about people and keep going. I remember when, um, like, self-help started getting really big and everybody kind of made fun of it. And I still don't like the term. I don't like it as a publishing category. I don't think it really helps. Um, but because it's not – it just doesn't – it doesn't really fit what we're all trying to do, but like every human is in a state of perpetual education and perpetual improvement. Like we're all learning new things every day. So we have to also not get in a battle of wits with ourselves when we're unarmed. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, Christian is we also have to remain open. Mm-hmm, so sure. often we just close and shut on down God, yeah. and we have Fort Knox up and it's like, nope. I don't want to receive anything else. And I think that is so true for a lot of people who are dealing with something that is that is invisible, that's yeah. hidden, whether it's your purpose, whether it's your vision, whether it's chronic illness, whether it's mental, whether it's autoimmunity for myself. You've been so trained to think a certain way because you're being told a certain way. Yeah. But then when someone else comes with something different, you're like, Mm-mm, reject. That's not what I'm used to, because you have closed your mind to be open to unlearn, to relearn. But once you open your capacity back up, then that's what helps you to, first of all, know there's still better for you. That's not the end game of what was said to you or what was told to you. But you still have a choice at the end of the day of how you now are going to live your life out from this moment and how it's sometimes hard. And you can expand on that of how sometimes people have a hard time dealing with having to do that necessary inner work. Mm-hmm. They will blame anything and everything. They will blame their fifth grade teacher since 1965, but they won't take personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Do you think that breakdown in humanity and also sometimes putting certain industries into a pedestal perspective has also shipped that paradigm as well? Yeah, I think that's definitely a piece of it. It's It's difficult because this is... I'm sometimes the worst podcast guest because my answer is always like, yes, and yes, and s and. And so that's some of it is yes. And I think that deciding that anytime we deify humans, anytime we take a human and being and pretend that they are above the rest of us is a problem. Doing this with celebrities is a problem. Doing this with coaches is a problem. The way that people, I'll just name drop the way that some people talk about Tony Robbins scares the living crap out of me because he is a human person who can make mistakes. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people that kind of go around with like a voice of, of awe speaking about him. And he's not the only one. There's a lot of others. Um, 
And then what that also tells us is that their way of improvement is the only way. It's the best way. It's like a sanctified way. So if I can't jive with that, then there's no there's no use being here. There's no use trying. There's no use doing anything else. Where instead, there's a good, there's as many ways to improve your life as there are human beings. There's as many steps that you can take that are different and that are growth points as there are, is there anybody else? Um, I am, I am definitely, you know, been victim of being swayed towards like this person's ideas are so great. I'm just going to follow them hook, line and sinker. And though I was very blessed and very privileged and very gifted to, to be put through an education system that didn't let me do that. Where for two master's degrees and a PhD, I had people looking at me saying, no, you got to pick that apart. You got to critique that. You got to say there's a hole in that. I mean, a huge part of writing my PhD was taking all of these existing theories and saying why they didn't work for what I was trying to do. And some of them are like the big ones in sociology. Like I'm sitting here saying like Judith Butler's gen- theory on gender performativity doesn't go far enough. Here are its holes. And there are people who are like clutch pearls. I say that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's it's. Yeah, we've not done we've not done each other a service and the internet comes to this where like you said earlier, it's like the highlight reel. Um, and then we weaponized the word authenticity and pretended that the highlight reel was authenticity. And that's a whole thing that we can do at another podcast. Like how we, we still began to brand package what it meant to be human instead of just letting us be human. And I, even I think about, like you mentioned that I've had the privilege of, of taking a TED, a TEDx stage and I'll take a second one later on this year. You and I are talking in August. I'll take my second one in, in October. When I was in the process of preparing, I had this moment of like, okay, well, here are the hobbies I have that aren't necessarily like popular. Here are the pictures of myself that I don't like that much. Here are all these things. And having this like impetus to go through and like delete all of that or not be in that hobby anymore. And then I was like, no, if I'm going to stand up and talk about radical inclusive hospitality, I have to be radically inclusive, hospitable to myself. I have to say, no, 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 no. Here's it. Like, here's me. Here's it all. And if you come at me for any of these things, you've missed my point. Because my point is we have to stop coming at people for who they are. We might need to help change their beliefs. We might need to walk alongside of them or pass them off. No one, you should not do emotional labor for strangers if it's not in your calling. Don't do that. But like we might have to walk alongside people. We might have to help them change their worldviews, but we need to stop coming at them for who they are. People do not change their minds or worldviews through shaming. They just don't. And the internet always believes they do. Yeah. And I think also, too, is that we need to get back to giving people permission to be who they are. Exactly. So often we're telling people what they shouldn't be, what they can't be, what they won't be based off of what we have gone through ourselves. Exactly. Instead of saying, hey, this is just some guidance to consider, but you don't have to take it all because at the end of the day, you need to go to your higher power and ask him, hey, what if anything of this applies to me? Because it might only been a tenth of that statement was what was meant for you and you can throw out the rest the whole thing is to not always have to reinvent the wheel in a sense but to just catapult off of those successes of someone else but you're doing it for your definitions of success not that person's definition of success for what sure you think about that? and your version of humanity like i think there's some basic things we can all kind of agree on like we should all be kind we should all be patient we should all like there's, you know, the, the things that make love a verb, let's go for those. None of us, 
I'm a, like, as I said before, the fundamentals, this is, we're not all good at being kind and patient and gracious and giving. And so let's look, try to master those. And then we'll go do some other things first. We'll go through some other things later. But I think not only letting people be who they are and not, you know, ass vicing them all over the place, but also saying, I 100% disagree with that decision you're about to make, or I find that worldview abhorrent. I think what you think about X, Y, Z is disgusting in your brain and then going and they're still allowed to think that. Yeah, we have to be OK to agree to disagree. Absolutely. I had that conversation with in a clubhouse room this morning where, yes, I stated what I felt was right for me. And the next person's like, I hear you, but I respectfully disagree. And then she said what she had to say. And I was like, cool. That's the great thing about life is not every, not one person's perspective is 100% right. What worked for you is what worked for you. But I was able to learn something from it and vice versa because everyone's experiences, situations, perspectives, environments, culture, how they grew up was different. And even Absolutely. if it's the same, we still have a different perspective of it. So I think we need to give each other permission more to be exactly who we are to be able to speak our, our our truth, to be heard, to be seen, and to actually be our authentic selves. And being authentic is being who you are. Yeah. If that means you're a funny cat lady like I am and I watch TV videos on YouTube, then that's me. Don't judge me. That's what brings me joy. And it could be something different for you. You might be a dog lover. But that still just means at the core end of the day, just like you said, Kristen, we're supposed to love one another and love God, be kind be patient and then the other three that sometimes kind of get thrown to the side and you can tell me if you agree empathy compassion and understanding we miss yeah. those three too oh we miss those all the time we talk about empathy as an intellectual posture actually instead of an emotional response i think for, i think by pretending that empathy is only an emotional response is actually one of the things that's gotten us in trouble because nobody can tell the difference between it and compassion and you know all those kind of other things so our thing with empathy is that it's an it's a permanent mental posture of curiosity so you can have an empathetic worldview by understanding by by understanding that you will never fully understand anyone else's worldview but you can certainly try and just because you didn't walk in their shoes doesn't mean you can't ask the questions to or entertain the thing or say what you said before which is none of us know each other's journeys and that's a whole thing and for sure compassion is much more of an emotional response it's that kind of human like oh man that sucks and i'm sorry and that that kind of that kind of thing and when we let compassion go too far is when we get into into guilt and guilt is paralyzing not motivating shame is paralyzing not motivating we've got to go with motivating um, motivating things to help us move forward um and I think understanding, absolutely. We're not taught to understand. We're taught to center ourselves. And we're taught to, we are all special snowflakes, you know, pick a thing. But we're taught to center our view of the world. And so unlearning that centering is really important. It's remembering. So I get on this phone call with you, and I'm we're graciously talking a little bit more about my opinions than yours. But if but I want to know yours too. I want to know your worldview. I want to know how you experience this. And so if I didn't, I would cut you off every time, or I would blow you off, or it wouldn't be a conversation. It would be me pontificating on a bunch of my ideas. Instead, I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, I know. 
a little bit of Imani's life because she shared it with me and she shared it in clubhouse rooms. And I, we've talked a little bit. And so I get a little bit of the perspective she's coming from. And so I can be enriched by hearing what you have to say and attempting to understand your worldview. And then that makes me a deeper human. And then we all win in the end. Like it's the more we know about each other, the richer we can human. Because again, none of us know what we're doing. None of us are given an instruction manual. So sometimes we don't know how to answer it, but we've met somebody who answered it in a different circumstance and we can draw on their strength and their experience and our understanding of them to human in what we need to do. And we just keep getting deeper, richer, fuller, and and more fulfilled. Absolutely. I can say just from my day, it's been more than six months away, over six months time on Clubhouse, how many different perspectives I've heard on the on that platform from the different types of rooms. And what I like about it that's different than any other platform is everyone can respectfully be in the same room, Mm -hmm. not agree, but you don't hear anybody trying to cut each other's throat off. You know, it's like, no, I refuse. No, everyone listens and says, okay, I, I, I respectfully disagree or have you considered we've kind of lost that that magic of what true communication is you know but what i like about clubhouse is you now can still hear the tone now so i listen to the tone so i can tell if you're upset if you're about to cry if you're frustrated if you're overjoyed and that's what i pull off on so that now i know how to respond in kind because i don't want to amplify your trigger (laughs) no because then i'm not being actively present Yeah. So, and if I need to be salty, like that's what the back channel is for, you know, because like there are definitely times where like I hear somebody and I'm like, that is just a load of garbage. And so like I DM a friend that's in the room to like be like, am I crazy? Like, am I hearing this wrong? Um, but it doesn't need to be a confrontational conversation with the person speaking. And I've definitely had friends come back and be like, I think you're, I think you're overreacting. I'm like, thanks. Great. Then I won't, then I won't try to engage with this person, you know? And so that's another, there's some really beautiful, I think ways that we're all learning to communicate again. I love too that it's all over the world. I love that it's lots of different cultures. I hope they keep the flag thing because that certainly helped me get some context for people when they start talking. Um, And I like understanding where people have grown up and in in what context. But yeah, I completely agree. Tone is really important. Um, And I am excited about this new audio. I'm tired of video a little bit like a lot of the rest of us are, but I'm excited by, by this audio revolution that's happening. Yes, absolutely. So I want to circle to a point you made earlier about doing that necessary inner work that Mm. we're sometimes afraid of doing because, again, it's going to cause us to be uncomfortable. Mm. And I like to say we like to be like Linus. We want to walk around with that fuzzy blanket all the time. But then I have to throw in, wait a minute, Snoopy has taken that from you so many times. When was this blanket ever washed, people? I'm a germaphobe. I haven't seen any show where that blanket was washed. I but don't he believe was it was, so dear. Comfortable to it that he tore it everywhere and he got mad when it was taken away. Kind of share with us what would be some key ways to begin starting that inner work process? Hmm. It's a great question. The first one is to start. I know that sounds like I'm blowing you off, but I think the answer is so much of it is you just got to decide to do it. So I usually pick. I usually say, especially if you're looking to be a to work on one particular area or you feel overwhelmed, it still goes back to pick an area. Remember that the growth that you're trying to do is not the end all. It's where you're starting. So, like, let's say that you're looking at the news right now as we're talking. Governor Cuomo is quite in the news. 
Yes. And a lot and his the allegations, the very clear legal case being put out for a culture of bullying and sexual assault um, at his in, at his office. And so you're looking and you're like, I know I'm supposed to trust these women. I know I'm supposed to believe these women. But like, surely they did something right. If that's your brain, there's probably some space for some education and space for some inner reflection. So pick that. There's lots of books, there's videos, there's TED Talks, there's YouTubes, there's podcasts. There's lots of people who spend their lives talking about sexual assault, gender parity, power dynamics, who you can learn from. If that's not your thing, if you have, if you feel like you've got a really good bag on that, maybe one of your things is that you're super, super judgy about how people look in yoga pants. Okay. We'll start doing some body neutrality stuff. Like pick a thing that you'd like to be better at and just do it until you feel you're better. And then pick another thing. Cause the secret is you're never going to stop cycling through the things. So just pick somewhere and start. There's the quote I use all the time is from the Avid brothers and it says, decide what to be and go be it. That's it. That's that's life. That's adulthood. Decide what to be and go be it. Put in the work. Ask the questions. Choose the thing. And do the work. I I absolutely love that. And I think that's a lot of times the hardest thing for people to do is just to get started. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if they don't even recognize that it's really them. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. But then once they recognize it's them, then it's like, okay, but where do I start? And I think that's where grace comes in as well. It's like you didn't get to where you were overnight. So you're not going to unlearn overnight. So you've got to give yourself grace, space and hold permission to yourself to go through the process. But at the same time, trust your progress of the process because as you do what we try to kick out the windows the progress you're like well i'm not at the end yet okay but aren't you better than you were yesterday exactly 10 days ago a don't month you know ago? more now isn't exactly. that great yeah absolutely so i definitely love that well i definitely want everyone to know how can they best get in touch with you if they would like to learn more about what you're doing Oh, we would love to have you. So my business partner and I run a organization called Abby Research. It's spelled with an E. So it's A-B-B-E-Y. And we are that name across all the socials. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Abby Research. Um, you can find me on Clubhouse, where if you follow Imani, we tend to be in some of the same rooms together. So you can find me pretty easily that way. Um, and we also run a YouTube channel, where if you love these conversations, we are having them cultural analysis to activate empathy, cultural analysis to cultivate empathy is really what we do every day and all day. And that's youtube.com forward slash Abby research. And Aaron and I would love to have you. I love that. And guys, please tap into what they are both doing because we all could learn to be better. I mean, even with some of the things I'm sure you've seen some things from Vox that it's even helped me know what my own implicit biases were that I wasn't even aware of, yeah. even though I'm still part of that culture, that that niche that is being affected. But even in certain same circumstances, I actually had it better off than my fellow brother or sister just because of how I was raised in my environment. So, guys, always be open to learning new things and learning about different people, perspectives and cultures, because it's just not you here on on Earth. We are all meant to be here with our own special sauce, our own special flair to be of impact to other people. So, Kristen, before we get done, what is one lasting word you would like to leave with us today? 
Curiosity is a superpower. Use it appropriately. Hey, can someone pass the um, offering plate again? Because um, <laughs> I love it. I love that. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I have definitely been enlightened in this short time here, as I always am when I hear you speak. And guys, please be sure to connect with her. She's doing some amazing things. And be sure to keep connected with me as well. We'd love to learn your ahas and what you've taken or action item you're going to do from this podcast. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. May you continue to soar and shine in everything that you do. This has been the Audacious Intent Podcast with Imani Harris. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that what you heard today was helpful to you. If you have feedback on today's episode, feel free to message hello at audaciouslymade.com. I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to join me again next time for another episode of education and empowerment to stand boldly in your life and business. Thanks for listening and continue to shine in everything you do.